This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. encourage you to um, open your Bibles now to Romans chapters 1 and 2, and um, we're going to be looking at a topic that's uh, not an easy topic to deal with. You know, as a pastor, I frequently have tough questions asked of me. One of the common, and, and I just call it worn out questions that's been asked 
thousands of times is why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? You know, we hear that all the time. Another question is why does God allow so much suffering in the world? I read that the World Health Organization estimates that one-third of the world is well-fed. That's you. That's me. One-third is underfed. One-third is starving. They say that at least four million people will die this year of starvation. And actually, because it's in developing countries, it's tough to track that number. They, uh, they, they estimate that that probably number is closer to 15 million people will starve to death this year. And so how do you respond when people say that God can't be a loving God if He allows that kind of suffering to take place? But the question that we want to deal with today is probably the toughest question that I hear. What happens to a person who dies, maybe in the jungles of Africa or South America or in the oppressive Muslim countries, and they've never had an opportunity to hear about Jesus? Do they have any chance of making it to heaven? That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is a tough question. And I'll just say right up front, I, I'm not smart enough to answer that question, but, but thankfully the Apostle Paul was. And for our study, we're just going to let him uh, talk to us from Romans chapters 1 and 2. Now, now, something before you check out on me, if you're thinking, well, this message is just for, you know, those pagans in far-off lands who have never heard about Jesus, can they make it to heaven? Um, I, I believe that this study will touch every one of us here. So, so don't check out on me just because you're not a pagan in a far-off country. Let's go ahead and get the foundation for our thoughts. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I'll be reading from different translations. This passage is from the New Living Translation. I'll be in the New King James Version and kind of jumping around a little bit. But um, It reads like this, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ, or I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, Jews first and also Gentiles. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. And then the Apostle Paul gets into this topic. But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who push the truth. And kind of just record that word push in your mind because we're going to come back to it in a moment. Who push the truth away from themselves. For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky and all that God made. They can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. I want to give you four principles related to the light. Or when I say light, I'm referring to truth, to the truth that God gives us. The first principle is this. Everybody has some light. Everybody has some truth. Everyone is born with some instinctive knowledge of God. 
And, and we, in verse 10, it says, For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. So that means that no one is born an atheist. Atheism is a learned behavior. You're around people who begin to talk it, and then you internalize it. Okay, then, then how do we receive that instinctive knowledge in our hearts that, that the Bible talks about? Well, let me try to explain it this way. And, and, and I want you to imagine that the end of time has come. The final judgment is taking place. People are lined up facing God, and, and they're learning their eternal fate, heaven or hell. Now, in that line are, are some that we would call pagans or, or heathens, those who have not been around the gospel as we have. But as they face God, they, they see God's anger against them. And, and maybe one of those that we would call heathens speak up and, and say, God, we didn't know. In fact, we didn't have a chance to know. We didn't have a church in our community and, and, and we didn't have Christian radio. We didn't have a Bible. And so, God, surely that makes us innocent. Well, perhaps at this time, God says, okay, let's take this matter to trial. And, and he turns the judgment hall into a courtroom setting and he, and he calls in some witnesses and says, okay, let's see if these witnesses can back the claim that they never had a fair chance. God says, witness number one, will you please step forward? Will you agree to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you, God? The witness says, I will. And witness, will you please state your name? And this first witness responds and says, my name is creation. Now, back in our scripture, we read about this witness in verse 20. It says, from the time the world was created, people have seen the earth, the sky, and all that God made. That they can clearly see his invisible qualities. His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. So the first witness, creation, testifies to the fact of God. And Psalm 19.1 echoes that. says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The mighty creation that we see and live in, the, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, the Milky Way, the beautiful earth, it's more then enough proof that there is a God, there is a creator that had to have created this universe in which we live. Well, for example, when, look around here, let's just say that beautiful grand piano there in the corner. When I see that piano, I know that somebody made it. There was a creator. And when I see this beautiful building and which uh, sometimes I, I just almost have to pinch myself that, that, that we are allowed to worship in such a beautiful place here. And, but, but when I look at this building, I know it didn't just happen. There wasn't just a bang and it happened. There was an architect. There was a builder. There was a creator. And by the same token, when, when I see the mighty universe that, that was designed with such precision and, and beauty, I know it didn't just happen. That there wasn't just a, a, a big bang that accidentally brought about the moon and the stars and the sun and all living beings in existence today. There had to have been an intelligent designer. There had to have been a creator. So witness number one says that creation declares there is a God. 
Well, witness number one steps down and, and God says, I called a second witness. Will you take the stand? Will you tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? And I will. Please state your name. And witness number two says, Your Honor, my name is Conscience. Now, witness number one was creation. And, and he gave an outward witness of, you know, just the creation that we see. But the second witness is conscience. And, and he gives the inward witness. Verse 19 says, The truth of, about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. And if we fast forward on to chapter 2 in Romans, we, we see further proof of this in verse 14. Even when Gentiles, and, and another word for Gentiles would be pagans. Even when Gentiles who do not have God's written law instinctively follow what the law says, they show that in their hearts they know right from wrong. They demonstrate that God's law is written within them for their own consciences either accuse them or tell them that they're doing what's right. So witness number two says that God has written His law on our hearts and on our minds and, and there's that instinct, there's that internal voice that helps us to know right from wrong. You know, there is something that God has placed within every one of us that, that gives us a sense of God. We may not understand everything about God. We may not understand His ways. But there is something written within our conscience that lets us know there is a God. So, everyone has some light. John 1, 9 says, That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. One witness is called creation. The other witness is called conscience. Well, let's look at the second principle. Number two, light refused increases darkness. In other words, when people reject or disobey what they know of God, then spiritual darkness will increase in their lives, which is a stern warning to all of us. And just in plain Cedar County language, if you're disobeying God in any way, then in essence you are refusing light and spiritual darkness will increase in your life. And Romans 1.21 tells us what happens when we refuse light. It says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And listen to this. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. The result was that their minds became dark and confused. You cannot take light or truth and put it on ice and say, well, someday I'll do what is right. And the way that this plays out today is that many people, and I've heard this and you've heard this, I've heard people in this church say this, yeah, I know I shouldn't do this. Or yeah, I know I should do that, but. Do those statements ring a bell? Anytime a statement like that is made, that's a pretty good indication that we are refusing light. And what puts the fear of God in me is that when God gives us light or when God gives us truth and we do not follow it, then what is so scary is that, listen to this, we will begin to regress and lose the light that we had. You know, we read earlier in, in Romans 1.18 where it says that wicked people push the truth away from themselves. Remember that word push? That word push literally means to smother the truth. 
So in plain terms, you know something that's right, but you smother it, you won't stay where you are spiritually. You will go backwards. And Romans 1.22 says that your mind will become dark and, and confused. Now, there's a fairly graphic illustration of this in the book of Second Thessalonians chapter 2. It speaks of how Satan will work in the last days. Let me just read a couple of verses. Verse 9 says, This evil man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of wicked deception to follow those who are on their way to destruction because they refuse to believe the truth. So God will send great deception upon them and they will believe all these lies. Did you catch that? God will send great deception on, on them? Does God do that? According to this verse, He does. When does it happen? When we reject light. When we refuse the truth. So, so listen to the progress, uh, the, the process here. Number one, People refuse the truth. They, they know what's right, but they say, yeah, I, I know I shouldn't do this, but they refuse. Because of that, God sends a great deception upon them. And number three, they begin to believe a lie. Okay, so all people have some light. Light refused increases darkness. And here's the third factor, and thank God for this. Light obeyed increases light. Now, this is very important for you to understand because this is the key for those pagans coming to know Christ. Um, now, some, some of you maybe that, that are a little bit smarter than the rest of us, you're, you're thinking, okay, Joe, I, I see a flaw in your reasoning. You, you, you say, you know, I agree that creation may indicate there's a creator and your conscience may prick you and let you know when you do something wrong. But, but, but you're thinking, you know what? Creation and conscience don't tell you about Jesus. And of course, the only way to heaven is through Jesus. And, and so the light through creation and conscience is still not enough light to bring them to Christ. But that's what you're thinking. You're absolutely right. Creation and, and conscience can only bring us to the fact of God. But please understand this. Light refused increases darkness, but light obeyed increases light. You know, there's a little phrase in Romans 1.17, and this is the New King James Version. It says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. What does it mean, from faith to faith? How, how is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith? Well, here's how it happens. God gives you light, or, or truth. You walk in that light, follow the truth. And you know what happens as you obey? God gives you more light and more truth. So here's a person. God speaks to him through creation and through conscience. He says, God, it's obvious that you exist. And, and he goes from faith to faith and God gives him a little bit more light. And he says, God, I still don't understand. But, but I get the sense that what I'm doing is wrong. And, and so even though my culture says it's okay, I feel funny about doing it. So I'm going to stop doing that. And then I get the sense that you want me to start doing this. And when that heathen person or that pagan person has gone from faith to faith and, and has accepted light, little by little by little by little... I believe that eventually 
that person will have a sufficient opportunity to choose Jesus. I think a prime example would be the Ethiopian eunuch in, in the book of Acts. And he had been to Jerusalem, the most religious city in, on the face of the earth. And why had he gone by chariot all the way from Africa to Jerusalem? And, and I think we've got a, 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 ma- a map there. You may not see it, but, uh, you know, down at the very bottom in the green, that's Ethiopia. And then at the very, very top there, you see where Gaza is in red, right below that is Jerusalem. And, and uh, did a little bit of research there. And, and it appears that that would be about 1,600 miles. And he went in a chariot that distance. Now, again, why was he on this trip? Well, because he was searching for God. Jerusalem was a religious city, the most religious city on the face of the earth. He thought he could find God in Jerusalem. Well, unfortunately, when he got to Jerusalem, all he found was legalism. The religion was dry and dusty. He spent a little bit of time there, and he's, he's still not fulfilled. And he, and he gets in his chariot, and, and, he, and he's making that long 600-mile journey back home. And, and while riding in his chariot in the middle of the desert, he gets out his iPad. Or maybe the scrolls of the book of Isaiah, book of Isaiah. He's desperately trying to walk in the little bit of light that he has. Well, the rest of the story is that God gets a preacher named Philip who's in the middle of a revival in Samaria. And he says, son, leave the revival there. I want you to go out to the desert. I got one man out there. I want you to tell Christ, uh, to tell him how to come to Christ. And he did. And, and that man found Christ and was baptized there at a little water hole there in, in, in the desert. And he took the gospel back to Africa. All of that came to pass because the Ethiopian was trying to walk in the little bit of light that he had. There was another man in Acts chapter 10. His name was Cornelius. And the Bible says he was a Gentile. But Cornelius, an army officer, had a hunger to know God. And, and we don't know where, how that hunger developed. Maybe he looked up into the starry heavens one night and said, Oh, that amazing creation. Isn't that beautiful? And, uh, I know it didn't, didn't just happen. And, oh, God, where, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are, I, I want to know you. And, and, of course, God spoke to Simon Peter and said, there's a man named Cornelius. He doesn't have much light, but he's trying to walk in that light. Go to his house. Tell him how to be saved. You know, when you obey the light that you have, God will give you more light. Now, that leads me to say this. I wonder if the reason that some of us don't understand very much of the Bible is because we've not been living up to the light that God has already given us. I mean, why would God give us more insight into the Word when we're not following the insight that we have? It's amazing how many people in our church in our churches around the community are living in sin. And, and they wonder, why can't I get over the hump spiritually? It seems like I'm always struggling. Well, I'm wondering if it's because they're not following the light that God has given them. There's disobedience in their life. So light obeyed increases light. And And so if you want to understand the part of the Bible you don't understand, 
then begin to obey the part you do understand and you'll understand what you didn't understand. Do you understand? Let me say it again. If you want to understand the part of the Bible you don't understand, then begin to obey the part that you do understand and you'll understand what you didn't understand. You understand. You know, I heard a story once. A pastor was in his office and and a man came in and said, Pastor, I need to talk with you. And the pastor said, what can I do? And said, well, my, my wife is dangerously suicidal. Will you talk with her? And, and the pastor said, both of you come on in. And they were talking and the pastor directed his attention to the lady and said, ma'am, what are the issues you're dealing with? And we'll come to find out her problems were this man. And the man was a liar. He was an alcoholic. He had cheated on his wife multiple times. And um, I mean, he was rotten to the core. He was a scoundrel. He had abused her physically. And, and so the pastor began uh, realizing that, you know, she wasn't really the one that had the problem. It was, it was him. And so he said, sir, I want to ask you a question. Uh, do you claim to be a Christian? He said, no, I'm not a Christian. I'm an atheist. And the pastor said, oh, an atheist. And and the pastor said, you know, the atheist is a man who says there is no God. And, and do you know that there's no God? And he said, oh, yes, there's no God. And, and the pastor said, that's interesting. He said, of all there is to know, um, how, how much do you know? I mean, do, do you know half of what there is to know in the world? And he said, oh, of course not. But, but he said, now, let me make sure I understand. You know there is no God. I mean, wouldn't you have to admit the possibility that God might exist in the half of the knowledge you don't have? The man said, okay, you got me. I'm not an atheist. I'm an agnostic. And, and by the way, do you know that the Latin equivalent of the word agnostic is ignoramus? I'm not, I'm not jiving. Uh, I, I'd heard this, and so I looked it up. Uh, agnostic in Latin is ignoramus, and it means I'm ignorant on something. So the pastor said, you know, agnostic is just kind of a fancy word for doubter. Are you a doubter? He said, yes. The pastor said, what kind of a doubter? The man said, what do you mean? And he said, well, there are two kinds of doubters. There are honest doubters and dishonest doubters. And, and the guy said, well, what's the difference? And well, he said, an honest doubter doesn't know, but he wants to know, and therefore he investigates. Um, well, and, uh, you, you know, a dishonest doubter doesn't know because he doesn't want to know. And he can't find God for the same reason that a thief can't find a policeman. You know, John chapter 3 verse 20 says, they hate the light, they will not come to the light because their deeds are evil. And, and so the pastor said, sir, would you like to find out whether you're an honest doubter or a dishonest doubter? And he said, sure. And the pastor said, okay, would you sign the following statement? Here was the statement. God, I don't know whether you exist or not. I don't know whether the Bible is your word or not. I don't know whether Jesus Christ is your son. I don't know, but I want to know. And because I want to know, I will make an honest investigation. And because it is an honest investigation, I will follow the results of that investigation wherever they lead me, regardless of the cost. I said, will you sign that statement? And he said, fair enough. So the pastor gave him one assignment. He said, I want you to begin to read the Gospel of John. Well, what happened was that, you know, as he began to read and study, he began to see that there was a God. 
begin to understand about the word logos and in a few weeks he came back and said pastor i believe that jesus christ is the son of god and and he got on his knees in that pastor's office and he gave his heart to jesus and you know as a pastor it's not real uncommon for people to come to me unsure if there is a god and and, and dave i remember when you were there you you didn't know if, if if there was a god that existed and other people have, have, have been there, have done that. And, you know, when they come to me just in, in, in honesty, you know, I, I know sometimes we, we freak out. Oh, he said he doesn't know if there's a God. We freak out. But, you know, I, I'm generally not over-concerned. But, but here's what I try to do. I, I, I try to send them on a journey. I, I, I give them some reading material in some cases, and, and I want them to at least educate themselves. And investigate the death and the resurrection of Christ and I want them to look at the evidence and I found that if they will truly begin to study the word and 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 all of the different evidences that are there you know if they truly want to see Christ if they're truly interested in knowing the truth they will find the truth and the truth will set them free but I remember one other person that I I, I asked to take my challenge didn't want to read, didn't want to be educated, was just set. That person is still a mess today, still lost. Let's uh, try to get through this last point and then we'll go home. Number four, God will judge us by the light that we've rejected. And this is a very frightful concept in the Word of God. Romans chapter 2 verse 5. But no, you won't listen. So you're storing up terrible punishment for yourself because of your stubbornness and refusing to turn from your sin. For there's going to come a day of judgment. Skip on down to verse 11, that same chapter, Romans chapter 2. For God does not show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. In other words, those who don't know all about Jesus like we do, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. Now, what's this saying? Well, it's simply saying that God knows how much light you have. You know, some of us here today, we have more light than others. We were raised in a Christian home. We know right from wrong. We went to church. Others here, you don't have quite as much light as maybe I do because I was born in a Christian home. My, my father was a, was a missionary minister and they had me in church all the time. We had devotions in our home. We, we, we read the Bible as a family and, and so, uh, you know, God has given me a lot of light. Some of you didn't have that privilege. You may not have as much light as I've had. But the truth is that all of us here have, have far more light than people across the world. I, I mean, Eldorado Springs has a church pretty much on every street corner. There are Bibles in every home. How many Bibles? Have you ever counted up how many Bibles you have in your home? You know, I, I, I'd venture to say we probably represent several thousand Bibles here collectively. You know, in my office, I, I love to collect old Bibles and and I've got some that are 
right around 100 years old. And, and then someone gave me back a couple of years ago one that I think is 130 or 140 years old. And to, to me, it's just, it, it's a treasure. And I don't even know how many Bibles. And then you can go to Version. How many of you have the Bible app Version? And, and, and how many dozens, hundreds maybe, of, of, of Bible translations do you have there? I mean, we have access to Bibles galore. Um, and I'm thankful that you can go to a Chamber of Commerce meeting or Optimus Club meeting. You can go to our schools and events in the community. And there will be a invocation. I'm thankful for that. But the result of that light is that God is going to hold us more accountable than the person who's never heard. Now, to, to me, it would be bad enough for the pagan in darkest Africa to die and go to hell. You know, someone who refused to live up to the light that God gave him through creation and conscience. But, but how much worse? I mean, just think about this. How much worse? will hell be for the person who was raised in a Christian home and sat in church where Christ was preached and they knew about Jesus. They knew that Jesus was the only way to heaven. But they said no. As we uh, wrap things up uh, this morning, so what about those who have never heard? God gives everyone some light through creation and conscience. Light refused increases darkness. Light obeyed increases light. And God will judge us according to the light that we've rejected. But for a few seconds before we close, let's turn our attention towards us. You know, for us here today, even though we're concerned about those in Africa and those who have never heard, but for us here this morning, the burning question is not, what is God going to do with the heathen who have never heard? But the burning question is, what is God going to do with those who have heard the gospel like us, but we're not obeying the light that has been given us? You know, there's a, there's a scripture in, in, in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is speaking to the people of Capernaum who had been around Jesus and They'd seen his miracles. They'd heard him preach. And Jesus said this. You remember Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember the judgment that came. Fire and brimstone. But what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty four is that Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off at the judgment than Capernaum. Why? Because the people at Capernaum had heard Jesus teach. They had seen his miracles they knew truth but they rejected him so yes it's very pertinent to us what happens to those who have never heard about Jesus but it's more pertinent to ask what happens to those of us who have heard about Jesus those of us who have access to church and who have access to Bibles who have access to Christian radio and television but we choose to not walk in the light that he's given us I think the burning question is, what will happen to us? You know, I, I know this sermon, you know, if you came to church wanting to just be 
pumped up, fired up, and leave here slapping each other on the back, saying, man, I'm so encouraged. You know, that's, that's not what today is. But, you know, I would love to see those of us here this morning, if there's any area of truth that you're rejecting, if you're one of those that would say, yeah, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but whether it's an addiction, whether it's an attitude, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's immorality, pornography, legalism. But God has given you light on it. You know what you're doing is wrong. I believe it would please God so much for us to just say, Lord, forgive me. With your help, I will walk in the light as you are in the light. Would you bow your heads, please? Just in all honesty this morning, is there somebody that would just lift a hand and say, Pastor, I, I know of some things probably that are wrong in my life. Thank you. I see your hand. Would you just pray for me? See your hand, your hand, your hand, hands, hands across the room. You know, I don't know what God requires of you. I think sometimes to break our pride, He wants us to go forward, to come forward. Maybe, uh, maybe it's not an issue of pride. Maybe you can take care of it there where you are. I don't care. I don't get, I don't receive honor and glory when somebody comes forward. I just, I just want you to get right with God. I want to ask you to stand. And if anybody would like to come forward and pray, we're not going to take long. I don't believe in pushing, pulling guilting you into this but if God has spoken to you why don't you just come and kneel here at the altar could we have a couple of ladies that would just gather around this one a couple of ladies please and if there's disobedience if you're not walking in the light could we have a couple of guys that would gather around this one that's come anybody else you want to just pray you want to seek God and say today is the day that I'm going to just be fully, completely obedient. Could we just obey? Anybody else you want to come? And you know, if you see someone up here that's praying by themselves, come on, let's not let's not leave them by themselves. Anybody? Anybody else want to come? And could, uh, could I just have your attention? Could you look up here a second? If, if you raised your hand, if you're one of those that is rejecting some light, why don't you just during our prayer time say, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to walk in your light from today forward. I'm going to do what's right. Would you just do that? As we come to him in prayer this morning, Lord, I want to thank you for your word. Lord, sometimes your word is really serious. Sometimes your word comes as a warning. Sometimes it comes as encouragement. Sometimes your word just, uh, God is just a pull to be closer to you. 
But Lord, I thank you for the way that your word has spoken to us today. God, I ask for those that maybe have taken the light that you've given them and they've just put it on ice or they've put it in their pockets and and they're thinking at a convenient time, maybe when I get older, when my situation changes, I'll start obeying you here. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand that today is the day and there's no need of waiting until tomorrow, but I pray that today would be the day where we would truly just consecrate everything to you. God, I thank you for the light that you've given us. Thank you for the light that you've given us that helps us to understand what is right. Lord, I thank you that you've given us more light as, as we walked faith in faith. And Lord, as we obey that truth and as we obey that light, then you give us more light. And, and that just get, keeps getting richer and fuller and just an amazing walk with you but lord when we begin to pick and choose cherry pick what we're going to do and not going to do lord that's when your word says we go into darkness and confusion and and we believe a lie and i think that's what's happened to our society today lord lord we've we've gone against your word and and so now there's just great confusion what it really is really right and and really our culture society says do whatever you want as long as you're a good person it's okay and and tolerance and But Lord, I pray that we would just go back to the truth, to the light. Father, I thank you again for these who have come forward and just give them peace. And Lord, those that raise their hands, would you help us to just seek you? Lord, help us to just walk in your light. God, we thank you. Thank you for being so long-suffering and patient towards us. While we were still sinners, you died for us. And Lord, let us go through this week living in victory, more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for your word. We love you. We love your word. And I pray your blessing upon these wonderful people that I call my church family. Go with them throughout this week, I pray in Jesus' precious and holy name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, would you walk in the light this week? Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.